to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. This is your first time here with us. So glad you're here to worship with us this morning. Uh, we just started a new sermon series last week uh, in the book of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. We are going to be talking about baptism today. One of my favorite um, movies I enjoy watching over and over again is Nacho Libre. There's a scene in that, wait, well, yeah, woo! I heard somebody's with me, Nacho Libre. There's this, there's this scene in that movie where uh, Nacho's talking to his friend and they've lost a bunch of wrestling matches and he's wondering why. And he looks at his friend and he goes, I'm concerned about your salvation and stuff. You have not been baptized. And his friend's there, you know, just uh, sitting there and Nacho's behind him and he's filling this bowl with water as he's talking to him about his baptism or lack thereof. And he comes up behind him with this bowl of water, puts it in front of his face and just takes his head, dips it in the water, praise the Lord, and baptizes him. And um, it has nothing to do with what we'll be talking about today. I just wanted to share with you Nacho Libre. So, no, anyways. No, that's not how we do baptisms here at Mission View Church. In fact, we're going to be looking at one of the most remarkable baptisms that have, has ever taken place on the earth. It's the baptism of Jesus Christ. And uh, there's so much that we could talk about here, but there's some really powerful implications for us today as Christians of what this baptism means. Baptism is one of two ordinances or sacraments that we celebrate as a church. These are holy and sacred practices that have been happening ever since our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ instituted them. They're communion, the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, and baptism. Just two ordinances, two sacraments that we celebrate. And as we talk about these things, there's, um, I want to tell you a story. And there's um, one thing I want to share with you before I jump into the sermon, and it has to do with baptism. And it has to do with how we practice baptism here at Mission View Church. And as we talk about this and look into this, there's, there's always been something um, about baptism, something I've felt about baptism, that it's so important, so valuable, it's so sacred how we practice it is really, really, really important. We want to keep that moment, we want to keep that holy moment sacred. And um, so as we've talked the elders about baptism and our practice here, we want to make just a, a small change, a really slight change in how we practice baptism here at Mission View Church. Now I'll tell you a story of why we're going to make just a, a really minor change. Um, uh, as a pastor in churches, I've seen thousands of baptisms, and um, one of them really stands out to me over the last 20 years. Years back, um, there's a, a, a two young guys that started coming to a church that I was serving in. On fire for the Lord, uh, this one guy had met the Lord, and, and he shared the gospel with his friend, led him to the Lord, and they just came to the church and were just on fire for Jesus. And it just so happened that about a month after they uh, started coming to the church, we were going to be having baptisms. So this young man comes up to me and he says, hey, I led my buddy to the Lord about three months ago. And, and man, he hasn't been baptized yet and, and he needs to be baptized. And, and can I baptize him? I'm like, that's awesome. Yes, let's do this. You know, and I was just so excited. And, and at the church I was serving and anybody could baptize anybody. And, and that was great. And so we just went ahead and had him do the baptism, and two weeks after he was baptized, we never saw those guys again. And my heart broke. I, I was like, uh, as a pastor, what we do as pastors is the calling to care for the souls of the people who come to our churches. 
And baptism is, was instituted by the Lord. He says, go therefore and, and share the gospel and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's, that's kind of the start of the Christian walk, the Christian journey that we walk together. You're being baptized into the family of believers, but, you know, worldwide, but being baptized into this family of believers, that you're coming um, into this family, and we want to walk with you. We want to journey with you through the Christian life. And you've heard me say it probably a hundred times, but we know that life isn't all, the Christian journey isn't all rainbows and unicorns. Sometimes it's tornadoes and pterodactyls. And it's in those moments that we want to be right beside you. We want you connected in a community group, in relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ right here at Mission View. And the pastors and the leaders of Mission View Church want to be active in your walk. We don't want anyone left alone or, 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 or by themselves as they face what could be very difficult times in their walk and journey. So, so as these two guys disappeared off the map, I was calling their cell phones, looking for them every Sunday and, and never heard from them again. And my heart was just broken. I was like, what happened? What happened to these guys? You know, and, and, and they, my question was never answered. What happened to these guys? So one of the things that, that we've, we've done here at Mission View Church is um, anybody who wants to baptize someone, we, we allowed that. And we want to take a step back from that, a minor step back from that. We started working through that and talked to the other church leaders and, and said, what are, what are some of the things that you, you do to have people baptized? And so we've put together just, just a few things that we're going to require of anyone who baptizes someone here at Mission View Church. The first thing is this, is that one of the pastors are, are going to uh, walk through the baptism service. They're going to lead, either an elder or a pastor is going to lead the baptism service. That's, that's a key thing. But another, there's, here's the things that we're going to have for people who are baptizing, these requirements. Uh, the first one is this, that the baptizer, the one who's being, doing the baptism, is, has demonstrated a personal relationship with Christ. Has demonstrated a, a personal relationship with Christ. That means that that we know this person, that we've seen God working in this person's life, and that's what the first requirement. The second one is this. The baptizer has first been baptized as a believer themselves. So they, they will have been baptized too. The third one is this. Uh, the baptizer should be a member in good standing with Mission View Church. A member in good standing with Mission View Church. Number four, the baptizer should be approved by the pastor in charge of the baptisms. Five, the baptizer is one who has had a spiritual impact on the life of the one being baptized. And the last one is this, the baptizer has been specifically requested by the one being baptized. Now, the first thing that I ask when any changes like this are made or requirements are put in place, the first thing I ask is why? Why would we, we put these kinds of requirements in place? And so I want to answer some of those questions. And I told a story of, of one of the reasons why, but this demonstrated a personal relationship with Christ, that first one, Why? A baptism is the obedient response of the believer to the work of God through Christ for salvation. It is an outward demonstration of an inward work for all the church to celebrate. That's why we're going to have the person doing the baptism have demonstrated a personal relationship with Christ. The second one, baptizer has been baptized as a believer. Why? Christian baptism is a Christian practice modeled for us in scripture where believers share their faith with those who do not know Christ. And when those unbelievers are saved through the powerful work of the gospel, the Holy Spirit, 
the Bible then commands them to be baptized and to baptize those who respond in faith to the gospel. Third, baptizers should be a member of good standing. Why? We believe that baptism is one of the first steps in discipleship. And discipleship is a journey we at Mission View Church want to walk with all who respond to Christ. This journey of discipleship is cultivated by relationship with God and with relationship with other believers and with a caring and loving oversight of the elders and pastors, deacons, and church leaders at Mission View. We believe that these accountabilities, these connections are biblical and therefore pivotal in the continued growth and health of the believer. So it's, I know that's a real minor change. It's not a, not a huge thing. Anyone can baptize as they meet those requirements, but um, we just wanted to make you aware of just a, a minor change because we are having baptisms coming up on November 21st. And if you haven't been baptized, I'm concerned about your salvation and stuff. Um, I'm not going to come up behind you with a bowl of water or anything. I don't think. Maybe. I don't know. If you're out in the lobby, I might just, you know, praise the Lord. Baptize you into the church. No, I'm just kidding. I'll never do that. But but uh, here's, here's our, our hope with these things is that these ordinances or sacramental practices will be times that we all celebrate together and cherish as a church. That's our hope. So uh, that's why we're doing that and um, moving forward that way. All right, we're going to talk more about baptism. We're going to talk about Jesus' baptism here in Mark chapter 1. And I'm going to start off in verse 9, but let me pray before we jump into God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for all that you've commanded us to do. As we look into baptism and we see Jesus' baptism this morning, Father, I pray that you would open our eyes, that you would deepen our understanding, that you would soften our hearts and change our minds, grow us into a deeper relationship with you. We submit to your authority, Father. We say, have your way, work your will into our lives, into our, our minds and hearts for your kingdom and for your glory as we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, just a few short verses here, starting in, in verse 9 of chapter 1. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. This is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now, the first thing I want to point out to this, out of this is, it may sound really simple, but and it's the first fill in, in your notes this morning, is that Jesus was baptized, right? That's, it's really obvious. <laughs> That's kind of what's happening here. Jesus was baptized. But as, as I've read through the scriptures and, and I was learning about Jesus, I mean, even very early on in my Christian walk, when I read this scripture, I was fascinated. I mean, think about this. Here we have the very Son of God, He's truly God, truly man. He is one part of the Trinity. He is God in the flesh, and he's being baptized. I'm like, why does Jesus need to be baptized, right? Like, 
in scripture, it was like for the re- repentance of sins, and, and then you were baptized. Jesus never sinned. He's perfect, and here he is being baptized. Why does God need to be baptized? I, I just, it's fascinating to me. Why would, why would Jesus be baptized? He's divine. He's one of the Trinity. And here we see he's being baptized by John the Baptist. That guy we talked about last week, the camel hair wearing, locust and honey eating wild man, right? And his cousin as well. He's being baptized by John the Baptist. It's just this, it's, a, it's just mind blowing to me. So why was Jesus baptized? I, I want us to get into that question just a little bit as we start into this. And I want to, I want to consider maybe three reasons why Jesus was baptized. The first one is this, is I think that Jesus was modeling the Christian life for you and me. He was modeling the Christian journey, the, that walk for us. Everything that Jesus did was to show us God's perfection, to show us God's heart, to show us how God would interact with humanity because he is God. Everything he did was perfect. The Bible says that Jesus never, Jesus says I, he never did anything unless he saw the Father doing it. He only did what he saw the Father doing. Jesus modeled the the perfect Christian life for us. You ever see those bracelets, the WWJD? What would Jesus do? It's kind of been overplayed, right? Those bracelets, they've been all around. But it's actually a really good question, and that's where those bracelets come from. What would Jesus do? It's a great question because Jesus was perfect. He was that perfect representation for all of us. What would Jesus do? So I think he was modeling the Christian life for us. And we, we want to follow him and be obedient in the same way. The second one is this. It was an act of obedience. Showing that Jesus was in full agreement with God's overall plan. And the role of John the Baptist's, his role in Jesus's life. Jesus said, like I said earlier, he only did what he saw the Father doing. We have a, a beautiful picture here in Christ's baptism, of the love, respect, obedience, and humility that Jesus walked his entire life. And Jesus was submitting to the Father. Man, wrap your, wrap your head around that one a little bit. Father submitting to Son, even though Christ is God, this amazing and mystery that we have in the Trinity. Humility, submission, just a beautiful picture. Man, if we could if we could just get a little bit of that in our lives, right? That kind of humility, that kind of love and respect for one another. Man, I think our marriages would look different. I think our churches would look different. I think church leadership would look different. But what a beautiful picture that we have in Christ's obedience. Number three, it was an act of self-identification with the nation of Israel whose heritage was sinful, a sinful predicament that Jesus would share in. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus would sin. I'm not saying that he didn't live that perfect life. We know that Jesus was without sin for his entire life, but the Bible teaches us that he became sin. That Jesus would take on the sins of the world, yours and mine, past, present, and future. He took all of that on himself. He's identifying with the nation of Israel. He's identifying with the sinfulness of humanity. What a picture that is. 
Did you know that Jesus loves you so much? He loves you so much that he was willing to take on all of the sin for me and you. That's a picture that we get here that we should never, ever forget. Jesus was baptized as an example for us, and we are meant to follow him in baptism. If, here's the great thing is, if Jesus was baptized, we should be baptized, right? If we are followers of Christ, if we call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ, we should follow Jesus in his baptism. Our baptism is meant to be a public proclamation of what Christ has done in our lives. When you hear the gospel that that Jesus came to earth, the God-man, lived that perfect life that you and I can't live, and then he died that sinner's death that you and I deserve, and then rose again on the third day, when you hear that good news, and all that he requires of us is that we would believe in him, believe in that perfect work, put our trust in him, submit to his authority, lay our lives at his feet. That's all he requires is faith. It is by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's it. Realizing that when we hear the gospel and we are impacted by that, baptism is that outward expression of I acknowledge that. I acknowledge my need of a savior. I acknowledge the perfect life of Christ for me, his sacrifice for me. And baptism is this beautiful, beautiful celebration that we all get to celebrate together as we see our our new brothers and sisters in Christ following Jesus in baptism. It's an outward sign of an inward work. It's a, a symbol. It symbolizes us dying to ourselves and then rising out of the water, joining Christ in new life. We are raised up to new life in Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. It's a celebration of the saving work that Jesus has done. And it is a reverent time because we know the cost that was paid. It's a free gift of salvation. But the the greatest cost was paid for it. So it's a reverent time. It's an act of obedience because God tells us in his word, Jesus is Last words, his commands, his marching orders for us as a church was to go and share the gospel, to make disciples and to baptize them. Like I said earlier, if you haven't been baptized yet, we are having a celebration Sunday coming up, November 21st. Sign up today to be baptized. We're going to have a baptism class the week before. And if you have any questions on that, you can call the church office and I'd love to talk to you about that. Now, the next thing I want to pull out of the scriptures found in verses 10 and 11. Let's review that really quick. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The second filling you notes is this is Jesus was anointed. Jesus was anointed. this, This is another mind blowing thing that we have here in scripture at Christ's baptism is that all three persons of the Trinity make themselves known and are present at Jesus's baptism. There are three proclamations we have at Jesus's baptism. John the Baptist proclaims, this is the one I've been talking about 
This is the Lamb of God. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. Now, we don't have this whole interaction um, here in Mark, but we, you can check it out in some of the other Gospels. But, but there's this interaction that happens. Jesus comes up to John the Baptist, and he says, hey, it's time for me to be, okay, this is a little, this is my version, so just stay, stick with me here. Hey, it's time for me to be baptized, and, and you got to baptize me. John the Baptist looks at him and goes, are you kidding me? I, dude, I can't even untie your Nikes. I, I, I'm not even worthy to, to get on my hands and knees before you and take your shoes off. Now, that statement from John the Baptist is a dramatic statement. First of all, John the Baptist wasn't supposed to touch somebody's shoes. They're unclean or somebody's dirty feet. That was like, that's uncalled of. And then John the Baptist, I'm not even worthy to do something that's unheard of for you. You are the Messiah. You are the son of God, the lamb that's going to be slain. You are the one. I'm not even worthy of this. And Jesus has this interaction with him. And can you imagine arguing theology with Jesus? Right? Like, like John the Baptist is going at it. He's like, I have this, you know, theological problem. You know, I, I, I can't even untie your shoes. How am I supposed to baptize you? Right? <laughs> Jesus' response is great. Suffer me not in the King James, right? Suffer me not. He's like, Here's, here it is. Just go with it, bro. All right? Just, just trust me on this one. Just trust me on this one. Here's this huge theological argument. And Jesus just says to, to his cousin, he says, Trust me. Trust me. I don't, have, I don't have time to go through the theological implications that are about to happen right now, the prophetic implications that are happening right now with you. And I, 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 I'm sure Jesus would have loved to sit down with John the Baptist and over seven or eight hours given this huge theological discourse and prophetic discourse on what was really going on behind the scenes spiritually here in this moment. But Jesus just says, suffer me not. Trust me. Trust me. This is the will of my father. Man, it, could you imagine that? Jesus, the son of God, the Messiah, looking at John, could you? I bet John was shaking in the water, man, right? You're baptizing the Messiah. He knows it. I mean, he knows it. It's like unbelievable, unbelievable. So we have this Amazing proclamation that comes from John the Baptist and from Jesus himself. Suffer me not, John. This is the will of my Father. The second one is this proclamation of the, the Holy Spirit just descending on Jesus, anointing him for the launch of his ministry. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus didn't have the Holy Spirit before this moment, because he did. And I'm not saying that Jesus didn't perform miracles before this moment, because he did. You remember the miracle he performed this, before this time? He turned the water into wine. But what did he say to his mother at that moment? Woman, my time has not yet come. It wasn't time for him to launch his ministry. There was going to be a time, a marked time, a time that was prophesied of that he would launch out into his ministry. And he was just telling his, his mother, Mary, this, it's not my time yet. Well, let's see. Well, now we know this is the time. The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. This was the launching of his ministry, the power we would see. The Holy Spirit was present at Jesus' baptism. The third one, God the Father proclaims, this is my son. Now, we already talked about it last week that Mark starts out this gospel, this story of the good news of Jesus Christ, 
showing us and telling us, laying this foundational groundwork that Jesus is God, right? He says, Jesus, the Son of God, the deity of Christ proclaimed right at the beginning. And here we have it again, the very audible voice of God the Father coming from the heavens saying, this is my Son. So we have Jesus in the waters of the Jordan River. We have the Holy Spirit descending as a dove, and we have God the Father speaking audibly right there, this is my Son with whom I'm well pleased. The Trinity was present at Christ's baptism. This was the launch of Jesus' ministry. Jesus was going to do world-changing works, and this is where it all began. When we follow Jesus in baptism, this is what we remember. Just as Jesus was identifying with the people of God in our baptism, we are identifying with Christ in his baptism, his teachings and his commands, his mercy and his grace, his love for people, his love for you and me. We are identifying with everything that he stands for. This symbol, this practice that we have, isn't something we take lightly. That means so much. It means so much. We are coming alongside Christ and his mission. We are laying our lives at his feet. When we say we're going under the water, this is us dying, we really mean that. It means that this life I'm living now isn't mine. This is not mine. This breath that I'm breathing, this oxygen coming into my lungs, this is not mine. It is his. My life is his. My family, my resources, my time, my talents, and all that I treasure is his. It is nothing is mine anymore. Because Jesus died for me and you. I'm dying. And when I come up out of that water, I am not the same as I was before. I want, let's just take a moment right now. I want all of us to remember the moment we were baptized. Just for a moment, just close your eyes and think back to that moment when you were baptized. That moment, you were coming alongside of Christ. You were being obedient to God's word, following Jesus in baptism. What a powerful time. Something, and I'll tell you what, it's something that we hold on to, isn't it? We have these moments in our lives that, I mean, they are, they're pivotal in our lives. I don't know about you, but I can, I can look back at the last 20 years or so of my life of where I've given my life to Christ and look and see these just remarkable, miraculous, God-intervening moments. Undeniable. I mean, undeniable, like, like God just shows up in my life and just changes everything. And I'll tell you what, my baptism is one of those moments where God came and said, I got plans for you, buddy. And they're not your plans. <laughs> Does God ever do that to you guys? Like you have these plans set aside, you know what you're going to do. 
and then all of a sudden it's at 180. You're like, oh, man, that, that wasn't my plan. It's those moments. I hope that that's, you have that kind of moment when you remember your baptism. The third thing I want to point out here, we see it, that Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted. He was, the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness, it says. Pushed him out into the wilderness where he fasted and was tempted. Now it's interesting, Jesus is sometimes referred to as the second Adam or a better Adam. And they're referring to Adam in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, that Jesus was a second Adam. In Romans 5, 18, this is where they get that. It's in Romans 5, 18 through 19. It says, therefore, as one trespass, Adam's in the garden, led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness, Christ's life, leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. I, I don't know if you could catch this or not, but that is really, really good news. I mean, really good news. Because there's this theological truth, this biblical truth that when Adam sinned in the garden, it brought condemnation onto every human being who would ever be born. We are born into sin. I know, I know, we don't like to think of that because little babies are so cute, right? They can't, you know, they're not, they can't be sinners. They're little babies, right? They're just so cute. You want to pinch their cheeks. I've got three kids. I remember when they were born and you're just, it's amazing. And we find out that they turn into vipers and diapers, right? I mean, it's, there's no denying it. Uh, and here's, I, I, there's proof. I can prove it to you right now. The first words that come out of your ch children's mouths are no and mine. Right? Uh, not one of my kids or any of my friend's kids or any kids I've ever known are born into selfless sharing. Anyone? Did anybody have a kid like, like they're, they're born of this, by two years old, they're, they're quoting scripture and sharing all their toys with all their best friends, right? It's at two. It's at that two years old that they really become selfless, right? Right? No, no. I mean, the first things we're teaching our kids is, is, is how to share and how the world doesn't revolve around them and how, how we can, you know, do the, the good things that God, no. So, so, all of this, I'm saying, is we are born into sin. That's our, our natural tendency. That's our natural leaning. This, this depravity, this total depravity, we are born into, right? But the good news is this. The second Adam, or Jesus, the Messiah, it's we are condemned by what Adam did, but we are redeemed by what Jesus accomplished. That's the good news that, that we're seeing right here. One trespass led to condemnation for all men. But one act of righteousness leads to justification. What a word. And life for all men. That's what Jesus did for me and you.
He took us from condemnation and brings justification. He takes us from total depravity and a leaning towards sin to filling us with his Holy Spirit and giving us his power to turn from sin and to run to righteousness and be seen by God the Father as covered in his blood, in his righteousness. What a great gift we have. Adam was the first of many, but he failed and fell into temptation, bringing condemnation to all who would follow. And we remember that story. Jesus was the first of many, but he did not fail, bringing redemption to all who would follow him. Let's look at that story just a little bit. I was talking about earlier in Luke 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. That's probably an understatement. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, Satan says, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Notice how he takes the Bible. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. Satan's really good at taking texts out of context and abusing the word. Side note. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him. It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded. And now that perfection, that perfection has been met through the life of Jesus. The price has been paid through the death of Jesus. And the victory has been claimed through the resurrection of Jesus. And it's in that that we have hope. Hope in the here and now because we can say no to sin through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit who lives in every believer, like we talked about last week. Hope of eternal life, that this is not the end. Jesus is preparing a place even now for you and me. He sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us even now. You can't lose. We can't lose. Jesus has already won. Hope of Jesus returning one day. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming back. He's coming again for me and you. And we have hope in his return. We have hope for judgment day. On that day, we will stand before our maker and he will see us righteous and set apart for him because of what Jesus has done. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. 
every human that has ever lived will stand before him and give an account. But if we have relationship with Christ, if we put our trust in him, we will stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords as every, everyone will. And he will see us as he sees his son. That price that Jesus paid, I want you to hear this today. That price that Jesus paid is strong enough for you. There is no sin you could commit that is greater than, stronger than, the sacrifice of Jesus' life for you and me. So oftentimes, as I share the gospel with someone, they'll say to me, you know what, Pastor, when I get my life together, when I get things in order, I'll come to church or I'll give my life to Jesus. When I'm, when I'm a good person, I'll come to Jesus. Let me tell you, friend, that's not how it works. We come to the one, the only one who can fix the brokenness that we live in. He's the only one who can set it right. We come to Christ in our brokenness because he's the only one with the power to change us. You may be out there, you may be even listening online and thinking to yourself, God could never forgive me for the stuff that I've done. You don't understand, Matt. You don't understand. You don't know me. You don't know what I've done. And I'll tell you, I don't. But I do know Jesus. And I know the sacrifice that he made for you and me. There's nothing. Nothing we could do that could overpower that kind of sacrifice, that kind of grace, that kind of mercy. And he's calling you even now to himself, saying, come to me. You've been trying to do this life on your own, live up to it in your own strength. And he's saying, no, 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 that's not how it's done. Come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I've got this covered. Put your trust and your faith in me and see what happens. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And he wants to send his spirit to live inside of you and empower you and change you and grow you into the person that he's called you to be. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's who Jesus is. What a remarkable savior. Did Jesus have to be baptized? He doesn't have to do anything. He's God. But he loves us enough to submit to the Father, to live out life as we are meant to, to be an example, to live up to the standard for me and you. Jesus is our hope, and what a great hope we have. Amen? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we want to thank you for what Jesus instituted on this earth before he left. We want to thank you for communion. That he changed the meaning of the cup and he changed the meaning of the bread. Thank you for that gift, Jesus. Help us as we take communion at times, as we come together as a family, to remember the sacrifice that you made reverently, joyfully, and obediently. And Father, we thank you for the command that Jesus gives 
to go out into all the earth, to share the gospel, share the good news, to make disciples, teaching them and training them how you've taught us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of baptism, that we can be obedient and follow in the steps of Christ in that way. We thank you for what that means in our lives, what that symbolizes. Help us as Mission View Church to celebrate that. Father, most of all, we thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. For all those listening out there right now who, who haven't surrendered their lives to him, God, move on their hearts right now. Change them for your glory, for their good. Draw them unto yourself as only you can do. Come be God in our midst, here in this place in Hoover Hall and in the homes of those watching right now or even watching or listening online. Come do what, you, what only you can do, Father. We surrender to you and we thank you for this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song this morning.